Rainbow Nations Church. Isn't it wonderful to be in the house of God this morning? Hallelujah. Welcome to everybody. Welcome to those who are with us online. If everybody just like to take their seats. There's a little scripture in the book of Jeremiah, kind of hidden away, but it's so beautiful. And it says, actually a question for who is he who will devote himself to be close to me declares the Lord so you will be my people and I will be your God and you know that is so beautiful because it's like God wistfully saying who will be close to me I want you to be my people, and I am your God. And maybe you've come in this morning, and you have a desire in your heart to meet with God. But I want to tell you something. The desire in the heart of our God is so much greater. And he longs, he yearns to meet with us this morning. And he's calling us to be close to him. Don't let anything hinder you from coming close to your God this morning. He beckons us into the very throne room. He says, come, come to me. Amen.
morning. I just had to get up here and say that, you know, I just feel like it's like we're, we're just singing along, blah, blah, blah. But we're not thinking about the words of that song. God has done great things. Has he done great things for you? Okay. Well, listen, you've got it. You know, I know we've been distracted. We're coming in. People are still arriving. But listen, as soon as we come in here, this place is holy ground. We're here to worship God. It's the only time in the week that we come together corporately as a body of believers to, to sing. And it's a privilege because in some countries they don't have that privilege. And, you know, we were deprived of it for two years. So let's just do this this morning. Let's just forget about the person next to us who's arriving, whatnot. Let's just sing this song again. And let's really declare it and speak it out and thank him that he has done great things. Sing. 
worship team. We'd like to extend a very warm welcome to all who are with us for the first time. So if you are here in All Nations Church for the first time, could I ask you just to stand up? Because we'd like to welcome you this morning. Is there anybody over in this section who's here? Yes, you are so welcome. Where are you from, please? Toronto. Welcome from Toronto. Bless you. And this couple here? Vancouver, Canada. Wow. Welcome to you. Up here, the U.S., welcome to you. Here, 
India. Welcome to you from India. And over here, India as well. You're most welcome here. Botswana, welcome. Here, Argentina. We have all the nations today. Sorry. England, welcome. And here? Sorry? England as well. Welcome to you. I don't want to miss anybody. Anybody this side? Over here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We just want to say you're so welcome, and we've given you a welcome packet. You can fill in the form inside and give it to our connect desk in the front. Amen. And we just want to welcome Abel back from America. Stand up, Abel. We missed you. Yay. It's so good to have you back. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, I see Guillermo and Julia back from Brazil, and we've been praying for you and your family. And I think I saw Max and Sarah, but they're back in with the kids. There's a few people back from being away, so... Great to see you all this morning. So if you received a guest pack, you can fill in the card on the front if you're going to be staying in Dublin and you want any more information about our church or if you'd like prayer or anything like that. There's a card on the front. You can drop it into the Get Connected desk in the foyer as you're leaving. Amen. So I have a few announcements just for the upcoming week. So uh, we have our preteens are in currently in with the... Uh, with their leaders in the upstairs of the ringside, so if you're 11 to 13. But just to let you know as well, we, if you're first time here, we have a mom and baby live stream in the chapel, which is just through those double doors. There's a blue door, and you can watch the service in there, and there's little toys for your kids. And upstairs in the office, we have a little toddler's class. I think it's two to three years as well, um, so you can leave your kids there, and you can be downstairs if you have a younger baby. Um, also, just reminding you, our kids meet in the ringside every Sunday. They stay in for the first couple of songs, and then they go into the ringside. Uh, our identity teams will be meeting um, next Sunday. At, um, just at, uh, at they're going to be in for the first song, and then... No, no, coming, going straight up there. Okay, they're having their own worship. Brilliant. And isn't it wonderful to see... Um, we saw Ali this morning. Where are you, Ali? Well done! Ali is just 16, but she's been brought up in, <laughs> you know, uh, the younger worship team, um, identity team as well, and it's great to see these young people, and you know, we've got uh, Joshua Clulo here on the drums, he's only 15, it's wonderful to see these young people using their gifts for God, amen. Uh, so this Tuesday, if you're a man, and you would like to, uh, to meet together with some other men from the church, we have our built men's uh, life group meeting in the chapel at 7 p.m. with Marcus. Marcus, where are you? Where are you? 
Oh, you're upstairs. <laughs> okay, he's up there. Anyway, if you want more information, you can get it at the Get Connected desk. And we're going to be resuming all our life groups and starting some new ones in September, so we're excited about that. Um, the Complete Singles Group is meeting this uh, Friday, the 5th of August, in the chapel, and Pastor Philip is going to be sharing at 7.30, so that's for the singles 35 plus, so um, in the chapel, as I said. And we're also starting uh, prayer meetings on Friday night in the chapel. We, we, we haven't got um, the facility of using the ringside, but we will start in the chapel, and as it grows, we're just believing we'll get into the ringside. Uh, that's at 7.30. So the first Friday of the month, the complete singles will meet, and we decided that that night that we're going to do a later night prayer. So we might do 10 till 1 in the morning. Anyone on for that? Late night prayer on <laughs> a Friday night. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, so that will be coming soon. But anyway, this coming Friday in the chapel at 7, uh, 7.30 p.m. Okay, so I know there's a lot of information This is going out. It's all on our website. But we are uh, fundraising for our teen retreat in Avoca on the 25th of August. And by doing so, we're going to have a bake sale in the um, foyer. And if uh, you'd like to bake something, or if you'd like to sponsor a teen, you know, we would love it if you could sponsor. Some of them can't maybe afford to go. If you'd like to sponsor them, you can do so. Just put it, mark it in the offering envelope, just teen retreat, and that'll go towards those teenagers. So the deposits are due um, next Sunday, the 20-year deposit per child for the teen retreat. And it's from the ages of 11 up to 18. We'll be splitting them into two groups, 11 to 13 and 14 to 18. And we've, we've a wonderful lineup. We've got worship. We've got guest speakers from America. And we also have lots of fun activities they can do on site, like climbing walls and all sorts of things. So it's going to be really good. All the details are in the, uh, on the form at the, the, the Get Connected table. And you'll, you can find out everything you need to know there. Uh, graduation caps and gowns, their deposit is due today. Or if you want, that's 20 euro, but if you want to pay the full amount of 40 euro, you can do that today. And our graduation is on the 28th of August at the Sunday service. And we have a guest speaker, um, Paolo Margio, is going to be speaking. Um, if you are baptized and you want, I didn't get your certificate, you can pick it up this morning at the Get Connected table. And then finally, we have our dear friends, Paolo and Dana, coming the Sunday, the 21st to 28th at 11 a.m. for healing meetings specifically. So if you know anyone who's sick, um, the pastor, uh, Paolo isn't he's actually a pastor, but he's a traveling minister in the States. And he, will, he, you know, we, he has a gift of, the gift of healing. The Lord's using him in that area. So encourage you to, to bring friends along to that. So we're going to have our, um, just before we do the offering, we're going to have our baby dedication. So we have baby Lydia. So if the parents would like to make their way, there she goes up on the screen. Isn't she gorgeous? <laughs> and her parents, uh, Lani and Heno. They're from South Africa, and um, I think they're going to be starting up a life group soon as well, so we're excited about that. Thank you. If someone could just pass me the dedication search as well. Thank you. Praise the Lord. God bless you, child. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. We're going to dedicate little baby Lydia. And um, I, I, I suppose just to clarify, the difference between 
dedication and baptism. Um, you know, many of us uh, brought up Catholic in this nation were baptized, and uh, many of you from other nations, depending on what particular denominational affiliation you might have had, you may have been baptized as a baby, but you didn't um, really have a, uh, you know, a choice. Um, and, uh, you know, you were unaware of what was happening. And, uh, you know, anytime you read about baptism uh, in the New Testament, it's, uh, you know, an adult making a choice to follow Jesus. It's an outward evidence of an inward change. And so you might say, well, what's the difference with dedication? Well, in, in, in many respects, dedication is more about the parents than the child itself. It's, it's a public um, commitment as such to raise your child in the ways of God. And all we're simply doing is we're lifting that child up to God and asking God that he would bless that child and have his way in, in the life of, of that, that individual. And, and so, you know, it's not a meaningless tradition. You know, there's a purpose, uh, there's a meaning behind what we're, what we're doing. You have beautiful blue eyes. You're a very beautiful little girl. <laughs> so, um, the, and the principle of dedication comes from uh, uh, the book of First Samuel, where we see that Hannah, you know, dedicated Samuel to the Lord. And um, as, as a consequence, Samuel, um, you know, became a mighty prophet of God. And, um, you know, the, 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 the people of Israel heard the voice of God through, through Samuel the prophet. And, um, and so I love this prayer in verse 27. For this child I prayed. And, uh, you know, we used to have a beautiful cross, a ceramic cross in, in our house when, we, when our children were little. And it simply says, for this child I have prayed. It's long gone. It was broken ages ago by the kids, <laughs> along with a load of other stuff. Um, but, you know, it's, it's such a beautiful uh, uh, prayer, you know, to think that, that we can pray. Uh, because the very, the, very <laughs> the very fact that we have a child is an answered prayer. Every child is an answered prayer. Amen. And God has a plan and a purpose. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil to give you hope and a future. And so we know that God has a plan for little Lydia. And, um, and so we're just going to pray today uh, over, over Lydia in Jesus' name. We're going to dedicate her to the Lord. All right, little darling, your mom and dad are right here, okay? <laughs> now, look at everybody. Everybody's looking at you because you're so beautiful. You're a beautiful little girl. So, Lord, we just raise up little baby Lydia to you, Lord. And we just pray in Jesus' name. That, Lord, that she would walk in your ways, Lord, that all the days of her life, that she would walk in your blessing, in your peace, in your provision, Father, and in your purpose, Lord. And so, Father, we just bless uh, uh, Lydia, Lord. We just break any inherited curse, anything coming through the generations, Lord. We declare a blessing over this child. We pray you will protect her life, Lord. And we pray, Lord God, for her parents, that they will uh, be a good example to her, Lord God, that they will raise her in a Christian home. And that your peace and your blessing will be upon this home and upon this beautiful family in Jesus name and all the people said amen, amen. <laughs> praise the Lord have we okay amen God bless you guys thanks sir thanks God Uh, so Eva's going to share on the offering this morning and if you need a gift aid envelope or a missions envelope you can ask one of our ushers just put your hand up uh, and you, we'll do that so welcome her this morning
Good morning, everyone. And if you don't feel like you had a good morning, I pray that your day is unexpectedly great ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sure you will agree with me that you see in life, there are actually only few things that actually matters. We see it especially well when we look at it from the perspective of eternity. I like how James Williams said that the great use of life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. In the book of Acts 2024, 20, we read, but my life is worth nothing to me unless, unless I use it for finishing the work assigned by the Lord Jesus. We spend our lives, our time, our resources, but where? When I look at where I spend it, will it outlast my life? What is that will outlast my life? It is only what we invest in God's kingdom. Because everything else will vanish. Everything else, no matter how important it might seem with our worldly eyes, how hard we work for it, it will pass away. Because what actually matters is either way related to God's kingdom, his order, his government, or his righteousness, saved souls through our lives. Before his crucifixion, Jesus prayed like this, and I read from John 17, 4. I brought glory to you here on earth. How? By completing the work you have done you have gave me to do. Listen, we have our spiritual family's emergency here right now concerning our father's business. To complete the work he has given us as a family. You say you are part of this family. Are you? Am I? And then there are some of us saying, yes, I am, unless they touch my money. <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry for your past experiences, but it's not about this family. The only thing touched here is God touching our heart and helping us to change in his likeness and his image to come to understanding that if I don't give for God's work, for God's work to be done, I actually don't really love myself right. Understanding that the more of God's work is done, the better my life will be, as God's will is the only place of true joy and peace for us. Those who want the best for themselves and their loved ones want God's will to be done and are ready to do whatever is required from them in their power to speed it up, to accelerate it. We have no problem to pay for food or furniture deliveries. 
when we need it. But what about the delivery of word of God? How many times have you heard one of us saying, man, if it wasn't for money, I wouldn't even do it. How about if it's not at least in some indirect way for the kingdom of God, I'm not even interested to do it. And if it is, what can I do to help? We pray, God, I want to be used by you. I want to be part of what you're doing. God is doing great things through this church family. And we have a great opportunity to be part of it in many ways, including at this very moment to be part of it financially. You can give by PayPal, bank account, or in cash. All the information is on the screen. And as we give, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for everything that you have given into our hands and for life itself. We thank you for every blessing, for every breath, Lord, for, for our strength to inherit the riches, to inherit the wealth. But I proclaim and declare and decree in this place the change of mindset, mindset that is submit in submission to Christ, mindset that is searching not what I want to do and then ask Lord bless it but searching God what is that you are already blessing that's what what I want to do Lord may your will be done let your kingdom come in our finances as it is on heaven here visibly on earth let everyone who looks at it at as at us let there be flag of generosity just like you were generous Lord help us to be generous help us to have the right priorities in life including our financial aspect of life we give you glory we give you praise and we don't take anything that we have for granted, Lord. All the invisible work that you're doing in our lives in order for us to have, to have what we need. Thank you for that, Lord. We are grateful to you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a blessed service ahead.
could stand to your feet today. And um, if we could get Matthew chapter 8 up on the screen, um, that'd be wonderful. Father, we just thank you today for your presence in this place. Lord, we know that you're a God who speaks, and so we pray that you would speak to us today. We open our hearts to you, Lord, and we thank you so much for everything you've done so far in this service. And I just pray, Lord, that your word would go forth in Jesus' name. That, Lord, I thank you, Father, that you give me the words to speak, Lord. You would enable me to minister this word in a way that would glorify you in Jesus' name. You may remain standing. We're going to read this short passage together. The title of the message today is Peace Under Pressure. Amen. So if we could read together um, out loud Matthew chapter 8 and verse uh, 23 uh, to uh, verse 27. Now, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? You may be seated. Hallelujah. How many of you are glad the winds and the seas still obey him today in Jesus' name? Peace under pressure. Uh, you know, over the last uh, three or four weeks, I've been just reading that passage over and over and over again. And, um, uh, uh, you know, I really believe there's a tremendous truth contained in this. You see, Jesus was asleep in the storm. This is supernatural peace because panic surrounds him, but peace is upon him, so much so that he is asleep uh, in the middle of a storm. And it's a symbol of how we can have peace in the midst of the most trying of circumstances. And again, when I'm talking about peace, I'm not talking about a blind fatalism that simply ex you know, surrenders to every problem and issue with a stoic acceptance. Que sera, sera. Uh, I've made my bed and now I have to lie in it. Amen. You know, I, I made bad decisions and I must live with the consequences. I married a Muppet and so I get drama. And um, that's not, I, I, I believe, the attitude that, that we need to have. You know, I agree on, on one level. If you hang out with monkeys, you may end up swinging through trees. But uh, again, uh, sometimes we can tend to, uh, you know, accept problems far too easily, particularly if we played a part in causing them, because we feel, well, you know, I deserve it. And um, how many of you know we serve a merciful God? Amen. The Bible says His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Amen. How many of you needed His mercy this week? Okay, half of you are lying, half of you are telling the truth. Um, we all need His mercy. Amen. And I thank God He's a merciful God. So even when we contribute to our problems, Amen. By, by saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing or falling short in some area, God is a God of mercy and He loves us. And uh, He's not going to leave us, um, you know, in our problems. So, again, um, 
I'm not talking about simply accepting everything as somehow, you know, being God's will and thus resigning yourself to your faith. Oh, it's, it's karma. It's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's the universe. It's predestination. Uh, it's the sovereignty of God. No, sometimes it's the devil. And you have to fight back against it in Jesus' name. Amen? And so it's so important for us to recognize, you know, battles will come. Okay? But, you know, it's an, an inevitable part of life. But even in the battle, we can have peace. And that's so good to know because Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And if He reigns in your heart, then you will have peace too. Because there is a peace that will keep us in these dark and challenging times. Amen. First Peter three, First uh, Peter one three to nine, you know, declares that we're kept by the power of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to His abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept. By the power of God. How many of you are glad you're kept by the power of God? Amen. Even when the enemy wanted to take you, he couldn't. Because you're kept by the power of God. Amen. You're not. Some of us think we're hanging on to God. Hey, he's hanging on to you. And that's why at times when, like the Bible says, my heart and my flesh may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. There have been times in our lives when we have, you know, grown so tired we've let go. And that's when we discover, like the Bible says, underneath are the everlasting arms. You're not holding on to him. He's holding on to you. Glory to God. Amen. So anyway, we are kept by the power of God. You see, the storm can't have you and Satan can't kill you because God keeps you. Amen. We're kept by God's power. But back to the disciples in the middle of the storm. It came upon them suddenly, you know, as problems and challenges often do. You know, out of nowhere, they're relaxing on the boat, you know, traveling across the sea. And suddenly this great storm arises out of nowhere that is threatening their very lives. Suddenly. I mean, we all rejoice in the suddenly of God, but sometimes there's a suddenly of the devil. Suddenly, a doctor's report, or maybe you find out your kid is on drugs or going with the wrong company, or you get a letter from revenue. For those of you who are not from other nations, if it has a harp on the top of it, it might be bad. <laughs> you know, a letter from, from uh, you know, the revenue are, are so many of these, uh, you know, a letter from the bank. How many of you know sometimes you can have complete peace and joy and just one letter from the bank, one call from the bank and suddenly you're in panic, amen? And so anyway, just like us, the disciples panicked, amen? Because, and again, this wasn't an overreaction. These were experienced fishermen. They knew the water and, you know, they had clearly done everything that they could in the natural uh, to stay afloat. But notwithstanding that, they were sinking. They were going down because the Bible says the waves were covering the boat and and while I'm not a maritime expert generally if the water is covering the boat that's a sign that you're sinking it's not good so anyway um, you know they're sinking and and despite their very best efforts they're going down and amazingly Jesus was asleep 
And, and, and you know what? You might feel that way today as well in your life. You're being overwhelmed by anxiety or you know, panic attacks or depression or death or marriage problems or maybe even suicidal thoughts. And it seems like God has taken a half day. You feel abandoned. You're like, God, where are you? Amen. Have you ever been in that place? You're like, Lord, any time now would be good, you know, to, to turn up. And, um, you know, maybe it's bills you can't pay or, a, a, like I said, a need you can't meet, a deadline you can't meet or accommodation you can't find or, you know, some, some problem in your marriage you can't uh, solve or a habit you can't overcome or a memory you can't erase. I mean, the list goes on and on. Maybe it's financial. Month after month, you're literally counting the days down to when you are paid, you get paid, you've, you're kind of happy for about a day or two, and then you're back to the same thing again, counting down the days until your money comes true. Why? You're under pressure, okay? And so, let me say this, you might be under pressure, but there's an answer, amen? Hallelujah. Because there are things that you can do to enjoy God's peace, even under pressure because you know praise God when the Lord turns up solves your problem the situation changes your season changes etc and that's wonderful but too many times we make happiness you know a destination rather than a journey and this is the good news you can have peace right now right where you are in Jesus name because sometimes God changes the situation other times he changes you in the situation Amen? Hallelujah. So some of you need to stop praying that, you know, God will take your husband home or your wife home, you know, and start making it work. But, you know, it's important. Sometimes, like I said, he changes the situation immediately. Other times, he changes us in the situation. Sometimes God lifts the burden, but other times he gives you grace to bear the pressure. Amen? Remember, the God who brought you to it will bring you through it. Amen? Always remind yourself of that. Romans 8 and verse 28. And it says, And we know that all things work together for good for them that love God to them that are called according to His purpose. Here you go, sweetie. <laughs> the Bible says, All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. Genesis 15 verse 20 in the contemporary English Bible it says, You tried to harm me, but God made it turn out for the best so that He could save all these people as He is now doing. And so just know this, it's all working together for good. The good, the bad, and the indifferent. Amen? He can take your mess and make a masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10 in the New Living. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Um, if we could uh, maybe just deal with the echo there. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, the King James Bible says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus um, unto good works, which God before ordained that we should walk in them. Amen. So again, we are His masterpiece, as the Bible says. And as His masterpiece, you must know that you have what it takes. Amen. So, you know, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're made of good stuff and you won't fail. You won't fold even when the pressure comes on, even when the attacks and the trials come. Amen. Because again, uh, the enemy at times will pile on the pressure, but you can have peace. Amen. Isaiah 59 and 19, it says, So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. 
When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Deuteronomy 28 and 7 says, your enemies will come against you one way, they will flee from you seven ways. Amen. So I don't know what your enemy may be today. It may be physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. Irrespective of what that enemy is, you have a promise. They'll come against you one way. They'll flee from you in seven in Jesus' name. Amen. We can enjoy his peace even under pressure to the very point that the problems and the trials and tests of life no longer worry or agitate or burden you. Amen. And so, and, and I think it's important to make, you know, the distinction. I'm not talking about positive thinking, you know, everything is burning around you like, I don't have any problems, everything is fine, and you, you know, your life is falling down around you. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about blocking out uh, everything, uh, you know, that, that, that surrounds you. I'm not talking about doing mental gymnastics that causes you to deny objective truth. Amen. But rather, a peace that passes understanding. Like the Bible says, amen. A peace that causes us to rest in His presence. A peace that protects your mind. A peace that guards your heart. A peace that heals your home. A peace that keeps you in the midst of every storm and every trial that may come against you. It's a peace that passes understanding. We're going to read here in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. You know, Philippians is one of the most joyful books in the Bible. And it says here, rejoice in the Lord always. Amen. That means when you've just burnt your, your souffle or you've just, uh, you know, uh, whatever's going wrong in your life. Amen. Uh, you know, you've just stepped off the wing scales and you feel like your world has ended. Uh, you can't fit into your jeans or whatever's going on in your life. Amen. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. The Bible says that there is a peace that passes understanding. That means it's not natural, it's supernatural. You know, amazingly, this book was written by a man who was in chains in a stinking Roman prison, Paul the Apostle, most likely waiting his execution, which was to happen within, you know, not too long of writing that book. Um, but, you know, Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always in every situation and circumstance. This, the, he was able to write this because he had learned to access a peace that was not um, uh, based on natural things. It wasn't based on his surroundings or his circumstances. It was a peace that didn't come from earth. It was a peace that came from heaven. Amen. It's a peace that passes understanding because it makes no sense to our natural mind. Uh, Isaiah 9 and 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, hallelujah, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. 
And you know, it's interesting that every government starts with all sorts of promises of prosperity and change. And, and you know what? It's always the same old thing because man does not have the ability to bring what only God can give. No man can create heaven and earth or, or uh, you know, the, 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 the nirvana that people aspire to because, again, it can only come through Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. And the Bible says the government will be upon his shoulders. And that's why it's important that we commit our governments to God, that we pray for them in Jesus. Name because man doesn't have the answer, but Jesus does. And the Bible says Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So if Jesus is reigning in your heart and in your life, you will have peace too. So, how do we find peace under pressure? Well, uh, the, the first point is simply this trust. 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 Even when you don't understand. And there will be times when you don't understand. Lord, why did this happen? Why did my granny die? Why did my loved one suffer? Why did this happen in my life? Well, you know, there, there are things that we may not necessarily understand this side of eternity. But 1 Corinthians chapter 13 um, and verse 12 addresses this. Most of us know 1 Corinthians 13 is the chapter of love, which is um, so important. But it says, verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I taught as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror uh, dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. And so, like I said, there are some things that we may not understand until we stand before the Lord in eternity. And then everything is going to make sense. Amen. But the Bible says, now we see dimly as true a glass, it says in the King James. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, things seem a little indistinct. It, it's hard to make sense out of what is happening. But even in, the, even in those situations when you don't don't understand we trust we trust even when we don't understand because like I said there will be times when you don't understand amen but you have to trust uh, Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6 um, has the answer for us even if it mightn't be the answer we wanted and it says trust the very first thing it starts trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your steps amen so we trust even when we don't understand because trust is a choice not a feeling not an emotion we trust in God because we believe that he is good we trust in Christ because we believe that he will never leave us nor forsake us amen uh, John 14 and verse 27 peace I leave with you my peace I give to you I do not give to you as the world gives do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid hallelujah praise you Jesus the King James, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Do you have the peace that Jesus Christ gives? I'm not talking about the peace that we find when, you know, we have enough money in the bank and things are okay in our health and things are okay in our family and, you know, life is just kind of floating along. It mightn't be great, but it's not as bad as it was, amen. You, you mightn't be where you, where you want to be, but, you know, at least you're not where you used to be and we're just kind of floating along. I'm not talking about that peace. I'm talking about a peace that comes from Christ. A peace that comes from heaven. Jesus said, I give you my peace, not as the world gives. The Amplified says, peace I leave with you. My perfect peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, and nor let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. And you know, the reality is the challenges of life come to all of us. Thank you, Jesus. 
You know, the contemporary English Bible, I give you peace, the kind of peace only I can give. You see, sometimes, you know, I, I remember quite a number of years ago, in the early years of our church, there was a young man, and he was always coming up after the service. Didn't matter what you preached on. You could have been preaching on revelation. You could have been preaching on healing. He always came up after the service, Pastor, I want a wife. I was like, I was agreeing with him and praying, and I was, you know, just believing God would grant this young man's uh, desire to be married. And... <laughs> You know, eventually God answered his prayer because if you stick with God, if you stand and stand, God will eventually cause your prayer to come to pass. I'm telling you, it wasn't even a month. He's back up in the prayer line. God, he said, Pastor, my wife is driving me crazy. (laughs) I'm just saying, be careful what you ask for. Uh, Anyway, um, (laughs) what did I have to do with the message? Nothing. Um, (laughs) There is a peace that we find in Christ and can only be found in Christ. It can't be found in a relationship or a job or a house or whatever else you desire because we can naively assume, I will be happy when? When I find love, when I get married, when I have kids, when I get a job, when I get a better job, when I own a home, when I own a better home, when I pay off my home, when I have kids, when the kids grow up, when they go to college, when they find jobs, when they find love, when they get married, when they have kids, when I retire, when I die. How many know we can keep putting happiness off to a future uh, place and that's not a good idea? No, invariably you will find that passing each one of these different milestones will not bring the peace and happiness that you might currently envisage. If you won't be happy now, you won't be happy then. If you won't have peace here, you won't have peace there. You must learn to trust God exactly where you are today. Because you can have peace on the journey even before you arrive at your destination. You know, Isaiah 26.3. Him will you keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Amen. And uh, you know, the following part of the verse says, trust in the Lord and so we must trust in God in every situation that is the answer you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee verse 4 trust in the Lord forever for in the Lord is everlasting strength amen so put your trust in him you see we choose joy we choose peace because we choose to trust God Amen. Even if things aren't going our way. Amen. We trust him because, again, even if we don't know, um, uh, you know, how, if, if we don't know how we're going to get to where we want to go, because the how is up to him. And that's why we trust. We choose peace even when we feel pressure because we trust and trust is a choice because your peace isn't based on what you have or what you drive or where, wh- what you wear or where you live. It's not based on what you have or don't have, but on who you are in Christ. You see, you are a child of God. And as a child, you know, any of us that are parents know that our children, when they were little, didn't worry about things. They were quite happy to be carted around in their buggy. They trusted that we would feed them. They trusted we'd put a roof over their head. They trusted that we knew where we were going, even if daddy didn't and refused to ask for directions. Um, you know, children trust. And that's the way we have to be with our heavenly father. We trust he knows the way, even when we don't. Amen? So trust, um, trust. God because like the disciples 
Our relationship with Christ brings peace, even under pressure, even in the face of the storms and trials of life. Because this is the interesting thing. Having Jesus on board does not mean that you're exempt from trials, challenges, or problems. I mean, the disciples had Jesus Christ on their boat, and it was starting to sink. Okay, so like I said, sometimes we can say, oh God, I can't believe you, you're letting this, well, you know, we, we live in a fallen world and we must realize that it is a battle, amen, but you know, this is the thing, you know, we're not exempt from the storms and trials just because have, we, we have Jesus um, in, in our lives, but it does mean we will make it through them. You know, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus addressed this very issue. He said, he who hears my words and, and does them, I would liken them to a wise man, a built his house on the rock. For when the rain came, when the streams rose, and, and uh, when the winds blew and beat against that house, it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. So, you know, this is a person who's building their life on Jesus, and yet Jesus said, you're building your life on me. But there's going to be storms, there's going to be waves, there's going to be winds, there's going to be trials and challenges. So just get over it and recognize, you know what, hallelujah, we have a blessed assurance, even in the face of the trials of life, that we're going to get through because Jesus is on our boat. He is in our lives. And um, Hebrews 6, 19, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence um, behind the veil. You see, we have peace because we're loved, because we're called, because we're anointed, because we know that, that no matter where we fall short, that the Lord is with us in Jesus' name. And he promised that he would never leave us in Hebrews 13 and verse 5. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews uh, 13 and verse 8. And therefore, we have nothing to fear because Jesus is still alive. He is risen. And this is the thing. He knows the way even when we don't. Why? He is the way. John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus knows the way for you to follow. Job 23 and 8, look, I go forward, but he is not there, and backwards, but I cannot perceive him. When he walks on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him, but he knows the way that I take. Can you see Job had that revelation that we can't always sense what God is doing in our lives or where he is working. Sometimes we can be on the very brink of the greatest breakthrough of our lives and we've absolutely no idea. We don't see God working. He doesn't give you, you, you know, a printout of what he's going to do today. I mean, God is free to do what he does because he is God. But Job said, he knows the way that I take. Let, let, let me say this, child of God, you are not forgotten. He sees you. He sees your struggles. He sees your desires. He sees your hopes. He sees your dreams. He sees your strengths and he sees your weaknesses. And, and he has it. He has a blueprint for your lives. And that's why we can trust him. And that's why, you know, we, we in this one stage, we see the implicit trust that Job had in God, but he knows the way that I take. Job didn't know, but God, he, he trusted that God did. Amen. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Like I said, he knows the way because he is the way. I, wa I want to tell you uh, about a man called Joseph Scriven. He lived in Canada in the 1800s in an area called Lake Rice, and he was known for many good deeds. And uh, he did many good works in the community. He tended a cow for many years which belonged to a widow and brought the milk to her customers. Um, he sawed wood for those who didn't have money to pay. He once sold his watch which he had brought from Ireland to pay for somebody's lost cow. And he supported the needy in many ways. 
Uh, he had a good reputation as a godly man. Joseph Scriven was born in 1819 near Dublin, Ireland. He earned a BA from Trinity College right here in this city in 1842. He got engaged to the love of his life. But the night before he was married, she was thrown from her horse while crossing the River Ban in Northern Ireland. And she was knocked unconscious and drowned before Joseph could save her. He became a preacher and immigrated to Canada. In 1857, he was living near Port Hope in Ontario, and he became engaged to Eliza Catherine Roach. Unfortunately, uh, just before they were married, she caught pneumonia and died. Joseph was brokenhearted and would never marry. Uh, 1865, he learned that his mother back in Ireland was sick, and he wrote a letter to comfort her containing the following verses, which ended up becoming one of the best-loved hymns of all time. You might know it. We sang that hymn earlier today what a friend we have in Jesus and he wrote these words what a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer oh what peace we often forfeit oh what needless pain we bear all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer have we trials and temptations is there trouble anywhere we should never be discouraged take it to the Lord in prayer can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows bear, share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do your friends despise, forsake you? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms, he'll take and shield you. You will find a solace there. Blessed Savior, thou hast promised. Thou wilt all our burdens uh, may, uh, may we ever bear, thou wilt, thou wilt our burdens bear. May we ever, Lord, be bringing all to thee in earnest prayer. Soon in glory bright unclouded, there will be no need for prayer. Rapture, praise, and endless worship will be our sweet portion there. You know, this was a man, this was a man who had, uh, you know, who had written this, uh, you know, this is a man who had suffered loss and heartache and, and pain, but he didn't allow bitterness to take a hold of him. He had chosen, he could have chosen self-pity and bitterness like so many others in circumstances like that, but instead he chose to trust in God's goodness, even if he hadn't always seen it in his life. He chose to look to Christ and to serve and love others in his name. You know, Genesis 15 and 15, thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, do you know that word is shalom? You know that word shalom means safe, well, happy, friendly, welfare, health, peace, fair, favor, friend, great, good health, perfect, peaceably, poorer, prosperity, prosper, rest, safety, welfare, well. People say, oh, that's prosperity gospel. Well, if you want to start taking prosperity out of the, the Bible, you're going to have to tear a lot of the Bible apart. Because that word shalom, you know, that, that principle of shalom is all through the Old Testament and it's all through the New. God wants you well. He wants you healthy. He wants you happy. And it's only a religious devil that would try to talk you out of that and think that that is somehow a bad thing. If you have a choice of being healthy or being sick, if you have a choice of having money in your account or having nothing, being, you know, having a home or being destitute. What do you choose? Any rational person who hasn't been brainwashed by dead religion would choose the, 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 the first. 
And so anyway, uh, shalom. God wants you to walk in that shalom. Job 13 and 15. Though he may slay me, yet will I trust him. You see, Job had learned that trusting God was a choice. You see, we choose to trust God irrespective of how good or how bad things may be. You know, James 1 and verse 8, it says, A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. We trust God because we believe that he has this. We believe that he holds our times in his hands, that he holds both our past and our future. And therefore, peace is our portion in this life and in the next. Amen? Peace is our portion. We can face the future with peace. We can face the future with anticipation because we know he lives. Job 19 and 25, for I know that my Redeemer liveth. And that he shall stand on the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself. And mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. I know that my Redeemer liveth. Our Redeemer lives. So no matter what is going on in your life, trust. Firstly, trust. Even when you don't understand. Secondly, believe even when it seems like all hope is gone. Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. And again, it's just a different perspective. But it says, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let's cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose and the winds beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? You see, Jesus said, um, uh, again, Jesus said uh, to the disciples, how is it that you have no faith? Jesus was looking for faith. We see, we must choose faith and not fear because you can have peace under pressure, but only if you learn to release your faith. You need to release your faith in whatever situation or trial you are in. You know, the last two years, Globally, many people were conditioned to be fearful and not faithful. That's why many churches haven't reopened, you know, because many people haven't even gone back to church. And I think that's tremendously sad. But people were brainwashed. People were conditioned to be fearful, to look at other human beings as a threat to their very existence, to look at everything through the eyes of fear. And now suddenly, government is our God. They will look after every aspect of our being. We don't have to think for ourselves. We don't have, we just trust, you know, government and, and science are, are our new God. I don't believe that's how God wants us to live. I don't believe science has all of the answers. Amen? I believe science simply confirms what God has already created. But first and foremost, my trust is in God. I deeply distrust government. Anyway, <laughs> I hope I haven't made you uncomfortable by saying that, but deal with it. You can't put your life on pause. Some people came up with this delusional idea. You can somehow put your life on pause, you know, hide away in your bunker for two years, and then, you know... Uh, eventually, when the government say we can go back out again, we can. It's the most idiotic thing I've ever heard in my life. Life is for living. 
Life is a gift from God. And whether you realize it or not, the hourglass, the sand is passing through that hourglass. All of us having a lot of time on this earth. And as for me, I refuse to hide away. Amen. I, I refuse. I'm, uh, life is for living and not for hiding away in fear. And you see, it takes faith to live well. Amen. James 1 and verse 7, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all liberally and upbraid it not, and it shall be given to him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think you receive anything of the Lord. Don't be double-minded. Believe in spite of what you may hear, feel, or see. Because faith is often a choice. We choose to believe in God's promises rather than the dire predictions of you know, economists, politicians, globalists, and climate change activists. If you don't change, the world will burn. No, if we listen to you, we will starve. I may be dealing with that in a, in a few weeks, but you know, this, this idiotic idea we can suddenly you know, start slashing, you know, uh, uh, you know, are, are cutting down on what farmers do and that it will all go well. I, I think it's the most idiotic idea ever. The idea that, you know, uh, I mean, we see it in America where, you know, they, they decide, you know, you can't drill oil because it, it's going to destroy the environment. But then they go up to Saudi Arabia begging them, can you, make, can you give us more oil? I mean, it's just, there's no logic to a lot of this. I don't want to get off the point, but, uh, you know, again, what you believe is important. Who you listen to is important. That's why we got to, uh, you know, listen to what God's word says. Don't be double-minded. Amen? Believe what God's word says. And so, if you really want peace, one of the best things you could do is tune out the mainstream media and all of the lies and the fear-based propaganda that they are peddling. And again, you can tune into that and listen to that all you want, but I'm not going to because I refuse to live by fear. I want to live by faith because I read somewhere that the just shall live by faith. Amen? And so, again, what you believe is very important because you will not find any good news on those stations. If you want good news, you've got to open the Bible in Jesus' name. Amen? Jesus said, repent and believe the Good news, amen? So again, if you're full of doubt and unbelief, it's an indication that you need to change your diet. Matthew 21, 22. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Believe what? Believe the word. This is our foundation. John 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the word. Verse 14. The word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. Jesus Christ is the word. And so when you're reading the Bible, you're engaging with the living Christ. When I hear ministers talk um, and act like they're giving a TED talk rather than preaching, you know, telling story after story and eventually saying, oh, I better open the Bible to make this official for those of you that are legalistic. Um, I always make a mental note and I say that person will never stand behind this pulpit. Because I believe the Word of God has to have center place. Because, you know, much of secular thinking has infected um, uh, much of what passes for preaching today. I honestly believe that there are men and women behind pulpits who should never have been left behind it. Because just because you can talk does not mean you can preach. And that is one reason why people of God falling asleep, living in sin, you know, all sorts of compromise. Because, again, there, you have to be anointed to proclaim this message. 
This is, this is the most important message you will ever hear. And that's why you need to be discerning about what church you go to. Because you can go to some place where they stroke your ego and they put you to sleep while they sing a lullaby. No, that's not the way it's meant to be, amen? So anyway, I mean, I once heard, uh, you know, this, this, this minister talk about how to preach without using the Bible. As if this was something you're meant to aspire to. Oh, you know, the Bible is so old-fashioned. All that is is simply arrogant man taking the sacred things of God and turning them, you know, into this, you know, soulless sales pitch. Do this and you'll get that. You'll get this result, you know. Uh, Listen, we have been called to proclaim the everlasting gospel of Jesus Christ without apology. And if you get offended by what the Bible says, that is your problem. You will deal with it in eternity. I'm not going to change. I've gone too far. I've I've stepped over the line. I'm not going to change. This is God's word, and we must act like it is. We must deal with the word of God like it is. Because pride and self will block our vision of the Savior every time. We need to humble ourselves before God and humble ourselves before his word. Amos chapter 8 and verse 11 uh, addresses this, and it says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the, uh, that I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. We're living in that day. You know, listen, you can put on YouTube and, and watch sermons till Jesus comes. But I sometimes listen to some of these things and they're just so vacuous. And they're just so full, full of just opinion and story. And there's so little of the word of God. You know, D.L. Moody said this, there's a lot of stuff uh, that men call the gospel that has no more gospel in it than there is wheat in sawdust. But some people don't seem to tell, don't, don't seem to know the difference. We have to be discerning. Amen. We have to, you know, have a a thirst after the word of God. And, you know, in the same way as we can make a cult out of opinion, you can make a cult out of worship. But, you know, it's interesting. The Bible doesn't say my people are destroyed through lack of worship. It says they're destroyed through lack of knowledge. I believe in worship. It's powerful. But we need to have a, a tremendous regard for God's word in Jesus' name. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away. My words will never pass away. So let's keep the word of God central. Jesus said man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of of God. He even said in John 6:35 that I am the bread of life. Do you know that Jesus Christ is the bread of life? Have you been feeding on the living bread? Jesus said, "I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes me shall never thirst." Amen. So again, have you been feeding on the living bread of God, on the living word of God? Let me say this with all humility. The reason why so many people in this generation struggle with their mental health. Their poor mental health is simply a reflection of their poor spiritual health. Because all physical strength is ultimately spiritual in its source. And the reason why many people, like I said, are coming apart at the seams, it's simply a reflection of the fact that they've neglected their spiritual life. Amen. You can waste all of your time on Netflix and scrolling on a phone to the point where you never read the Bible. And you may get offended at this message. And like I said many times before, if you're going to be offended, be offended. But you know what? We have to change our culture. 
We have to change because our culture is changing around us. Like I said, people are spending hours and literally hours every night on, on, on things that are utterly no consequence, no benefit to them. We must put Christ firmly in the center and he is not at the center if the word of God is not. And you know, praise God for miracles, for signs, for wonders, for all of these spiritual gifts, but there is no substitute for God's word. Amen? Matthew chapter 11 and verse 20. I'm going to finish this message, okay? So um, you just bear with it because I, I believe it's, it's an important one. But, you know, Jesus showed us this in Matthew chapter 11 verse 20. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works have been done because they did not repent. Won't you Chorazin? Won't you Bethsaida? For if the mighty works which had been done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it would be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And Cap you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, would be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works had been done in you, had been done in Sodom, they would remain until this day. But I say to you, it would be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Um, the, the word of God brings both revelation and repentance. In this short message, in this short passage, Jesus mentions repentance twice and judgment three times. That is not very woke or progressive. A lot of people talk about, well, the God I serve doesn't judge. You have no idea then about what the Bible says because many times through the Bible, particularly in the book of Revelations, it shows that, uh, you know, with, uh, with judgment, he judges and makes war. That Jesus Christ is coming back as a judge. So we're living under a time of grace, a dispensation of grace, but the time is running out on that very quickly. And all of the chaos and perversion and, and, and idiocy we see in our society is an indication of the fact that we are are rapidly running out of time. We're running out of time. But Jesus speaks of repentance and he speaks of judgment. Because again, is it love to talk of renewal but not of repentance? To talk of encounters but not of change? Because it's clear that Christ expected a change in behavior and not just a change in belief. And this is what many times as the church, we, you know, just, just believe, just change what you believe. No, he expects you to change how you behave, how you live, okay? And so, again, is it any coincidence that a generation that literally never stops talking about its fragile mental health is in many instances utterly biblically illiterate? Psalm 119 verse 130, the entrance of your word gives life, it gives understanding to the simple. It's the word of God that brings life and liberty, so again, you can shake and twitch all you want. You can talk in visions of angels and, and you know, prophesy of breakthroughs and all of these things. But nothing is going to change in your life until you stand and, and study the word of God. Because if you want peace, you need to stand on God's word. Ephesians 6, 18, after having done all to stand, stand therefore. Ephesians 6, 13 and 14. And so you have to stand, believe God's word, and stand on it. Amen. And if you will believe, all of heaven will mobilize on your behalf. Amen. And so this is why it's so important for us to come before God's word with this attitude. I guess, um, thank you, Jesus. How many of you would like me to finish this or do you want me to finish right here? Okay. Believe. God wants us to believe. If you will believe, all of heaven moves on your behalf. You know, Jesus said, Matthew 11, if you can believe, all things uh, are possible to those who believe. That's Mark 9, 23. 
Mark 11, and it says, Jesus here is talking, and he said, Praise you, Jesus. Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them, and you will have them. You know, 1 Timothy 6, fight the good fight of faith. You see, it's, we're called to fight the good fight of faith. Be under no illusions. It is a battle. It is one that we can win, but again, it is a battle. And we have to fight. We have to press in there. You know, Hebrews uh, chapter 4 and verse 3. It says, for we have believed to enter into that rest. There is a rest of faith whereby you're no longer agitated or anxious or upset. Rather, you're resting in God's promises. You have the mind of Christ. And let me say this. The mind of Christ isn't anxious. The mind of Christ isn't worried or burdened. Amen. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So Jesus has overcome, so we can overcome as well. That's why we don't have to be worried or anxious or angry. And this is why some of you are constantly angry. Is because, you know, if you're feeding on social media, you're going to be seeing stuff that's going to be frustrating you. It's going to be upsetting you. It's going to be depressing you. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just take a break from all of that stuff and say, you know what, Lord, I'm coming out of Facebook. I'm coming back into your book in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. So, again, we have to stand and uh, Psalm 27, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. So no matter where you're at, amen, if you will just simply reach out and believe and touch God, amen, you will see a miracle. You will see change. That depression will leave. That cancer will go. That problem will change because he's a miracle working God and he can do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or imagine in Jesus' name. So firstly, uh, just give me uh, three or four minutes and I'm finished. Firstly, uh, you know, uh, we trust. Trust, even when you don't understand. Secondly, believe, even when it seems like all hope is gone. And lastly, pray, even when there seems to be no way forward. And at times, like I said, like Moses, he came to the Red Sea. And what did God say? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. And so, again, sometimes you come to a place in your life where it doesn't seem like there is a way forward. But this is where Paul was. He was in jail. Um, uh, you know, he was uh, a prisoner of Rome. Um, things didn't look very good in his life. But here in Rome, in Philippians 4, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So again, maybe the reason why you don't have that peace is because your prayer life isn't at the level that it needs to be. Amen? Jesus is the way forward, and he will show you the way if you will pray. You know, Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and intercession. Always in good times and especially in bad. Pray, we lift our voices in prayer to the living God, believing that he hears us. And even if things haven't changed in the natural, we believe that God has heard us and that the change will come in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, D.L. Moody said this. The thought that you may be cut down unsaved troubles me. I do hope that you will take the gift of God and live forever. This is my prayer. This is the prayer of your father as he travels west. God bless you and save you, my dear son. And I shall be the happiest father on earth. You know, if the thought of people being cut down, unsaved, doesn't trouble you, 
you most likely need to get saved yourself. Have you prayed for your loved ones? Have you interceded for your children? Have you interceded for their eternal souls? For your neighbors, for your colleagues, for your friends, for your family? Because there is a peace that we can only know if we pray. Have we, like the hymn says, have we taken it to God in prayer? Have you spent time in the presence of the king? The Bible says they, they could tell the disciples had been in the presence of Jesus, even though they were uneducated, untrained men. And you know what? If you haven't got a strong prayer life, in many ways, this explains why you're depressed and defeated. If some of you would simply make time to consistently meet with the Lord in prayer, your situation would change in Jesus' name. Your situation would change quickly. You know, pray for your marriage. Pray for your finances. Pray for your kids. Pray for your church. Pray for your pastor. I need it. Some of you say, I know you do. Uh, pray for your nation. Pray I'll be able to do shorter messages. <laughs> that wasn't the right place to say amen, darling. <laughs> James 5 and verse 13. Nothing like a wife to put the knife in and turn it. Um, is anyone among you afflicted? Let him pray. We were talking to a young couple yesterday, newly married couple. And um, so we we're just asking how they're getting on. And, uh, you know, the, the husband started talking. He says, God has shown me about the three rings of marriage. You have an engagement ring, you have a marriage ring, and you have suffering. And... <laughs> That is not the right attitude to take to marriage. <laughs> I'm just saying. But <laughs> I thought it was so funny. The answer, if you're suffering, isn't to broadcast it on social media. Please, if you're going through trials, particularly in your marriage, don't broadcast it to the world. Because yes, it may win you sympathy. All right? But there's a big difference between having sympathy and having destiny. Many people are willing to forfeit destiny because they're so focused on getting sympathy. And that's, I think that's very, very tragic. That's not God's will. Amen? Some people are simply satisfied with just feeling better. And that's not what God wants for you. He wants you to pray. He wants you to pray and press in, in Jesus' name, and see the breakthroughs. See the answers. Psalm 109 verse 4. In return for my love, they are my accusers, but I give myself to prayer as the worship group come forward. I give myself to prayer. The question I want to ask you today is, what are you giving yourself to? TV, social media, career, alcohol, drugs, mindless video games. What are you giving yourself to? Because, you know, you can sit on a couch and talk to a professional if you want, but I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to pray. David said, I give myself to prayer. And if you want peace, you need to pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Because I, I don't know about you. I know where my help comes from. Psalm 121 says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And it's when we pray that we connect with God's provision, that we connect with God's peace, we connect with God's purpose, we connect with the answers we so desperately need in our lives, amen, Philippians 2.13, brethren, I ought not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are ahead, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, Paul said, I press, Amen? I press. We have to press in prayer. 
When you feel the pressure, the answer isn't to quit or complain or feel sorry for yourself. The answer is to press. Jude says, contend for the faith. You have to contend in prayer. You have to contend for your family. You have to contend for your destiny. You have to contend for your nation. And the way we contend is we contend in prayer in Jesus' name. It's just like the hymn, take it to the Lord in prayer. My final verse, Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. It says, as you stand to your feet, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. It's time to take back your peace. It's time to take back your family. You have listened to the lies of the enemy for far too long. We choose peace. We choose peace because we know that Jesus Christ is risen. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Could you just pray in the Spirit for a moment? Come on. Will you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit? I just really feel to, to open the altars in a moment for those who need peace. Whatever the situation is, I don't know what's going on, but I know that the Lord can minister His peace to you. He can minister His peace. He can minister, you know, to you right where you are. But before we do so, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask you a question. Do you know Jesus is your Savior? You have an eternal soul and you will spend eternity somewhere. I'm not asking, have you been sprinkled as a baby or are you a good person? The Bible says none of us are good. All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. And that is why we come to the cross. This is why we come to Christ. Because only He can make us new. So very quickly, if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, if you don't have that assurance that if this was your final day on planet Earth, if tonight when you close your eyes, if that was the last time you were to close your eyes, are you sure that you would open them in heaven? If not, you can have that assurance by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. So, put every hand down for one moment. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, just put your hand up right now. If you want to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you would like to have a new beginning through faith in Him, this is your moment. Just put your hand up and I'm going to pray for you today. Is there anybody in this place says, I know that I'm not right with the Lord, but I would like to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. Please do not let pride stop you from responding to the call of God. You know that quote I read by D.L. Moody to his son? Both D.L. Moody and his son are long dead. They are long, they're in eternity a long time ago. And so too, we are just on this earth for a short period. And so I'm just giving you an opportunity. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, this is your moment. Put your hand up high if you want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I see that one hand at the back there. Is there anybody else here? Please, don't miss your moment. If you've never accepted Christ, if you've never been born again, this is your time. 
Just clarify with that lady if she's got her hand up. Please, ushers, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, amen. Praise God. If she, if she, yeah, thank you, Lord. Just come forward if you're ready to surrender in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father. Just give her an encouragement as she comes down today. switch off. The Lord's going to do miracles in this place in a few moments. Praise God. God bless you. Amen. Just say this simple prayer. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I believe in my heart that you were born of a virgin, that you lived a perfect life, and that when you died on the cross, you died in my place, bearing my sin and shame into my heart, Lord Jesus Christ, and forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Lord, bless this lady in Jesus' name. Bless her with your presence. Bless her with your peace. Some of you may be in a storm. You may have all sorts of problems. But if you need peace, you know, we're not even going to lay hands on you this morning. But just we're going to make this an altar at the front. And if you need to access God's peace in some area of your life, or you have some issue or some challenge or some trial that you're going through, you know, we're just going to make it an altar here. And if you want to meet with God, then just come down here to the front in Jesus' name. As Ali sings, amen. God bless you.
with you. You know, just as we're singing that song, that's more than just a song. That's a prayer. That's a prayer. And, and you know, we just open the altars. We're not going to lay hands on you. We're not even going to ask you what it is. But you know what? Many of you today, there are things you need to surrender. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a lifestyle. Maybe it's a past. Maybe it's things you're struggling with right now. Maybe it's things that are burdening you. Maybe you have family that are far from God. I don't know what it is. But you know, we're just opening this as an altar before the Lord. And we're just presenting our needs before Him today. Because He is a miracle working God. And we just believe today in the name of Jesus. He's going to lift those burdens. He's going to break those chains. He's going to meet those needs in Jesus' name. But it all starts with surrender. You know, some of you have, have you know, accepted labels that were put upon you saying you're this or saying you're that or saying you're the other maybe you were in prison or maybe you failed in some area in your life and you feel like you still carry the stigma of that i want you today to come forward and just bring it to the lord just surrender it to him he can do a work right now in this place in his presence is fullness of joy you can step out of that place of torment you can step into a place of peace in jesus name but we need to surrender we need to surrender those labels we need to surrender that past we need to surrender that pain maybe somebody wronged you or maybe something was done to you you didn't deserve today you're just before the lord and you're just surrendering it to him so take your eyes off me today close your eyes and let this simply be an altar a place where we meet with the lord a place where we surrender in jesus name amen and where we say lord whatever you want to do in Jesus name because there is a peace that we can only find in surrender there is a peace that we can only find when we fall on our knees and we surrender it all to him in Jesus name so let's sing that song one more time and if you know you're meant to respond I encourage you come down here to the front or to the sides and just bring that to the Lord let's make this an altar let's make this a place of divine encounter today in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.